I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Do you know how Illinois district maps are drawn? Well, it's a rather murky process because it happens behind closed doors and it can have big consequences on who residents get to vote for, where they vote, and in some cases, it can even dilute voter blocks. Some community advocates want the map drawing process to be public as a way to make it more fair. I spoke with Tina Svondelis, chief political reporter at the Chicago Sun-Times, about how that process works and who it really benefits. She starts by talking me through the first steps in the process. They're waiting for estimates from the census to create the maps. And like you said, this is done behind closed doors. Yeah. There are people who uh, are politicians who say they don't know how it works. So it just depends on like what's your level of clout that you really understand this process. So in the last remap, we had delayed numbers because of the pandemic and because of some uh, President Trump related court challenges about the census. And so Illinois used some court estimate or some census estimates to mm -hmm. do the maps. Um, and that's how we got our last one. There were some court challenges. Um, there are some basic things that they need, they need to follow. There's the Federal Voting Rights Act. There's the Illinois Voting Rights Act. There's the Illinois Constitution. So they have to follow all these rules, but they still do find ways to put more Democrats in power and to yeah. protect their incumbents. Tell us more about how Illinois Senate and House members hash out their desired district boundaries and how long that part of the process could take. Well, like I said, this is a closed door thing. It's usually like staffers and consultants. And as you said, it's, it gets really minute. It's like, hey, I need my my little league field in my district. Um, and sometimes you don't get that, um, but they do consider they have to do those federal and state requirements, but then they do look at who is going to be the most powerful politically. Mm -hmm. So that is what we saw the last time around. We saw Marie Newman, who was a freshman legislator, um, boxed into um, Chewy Garcia's district. They knew he was going to win, which means that, you know, they they did not favor. They were not supporting mm -hmm. her. Um, and she ultimately ran against John Caston, who beat her um, by a lot. Uh, in your piece, uh, which folks can find online right now, it's at suntimes.com. You wrote about Marie Newman, who was then a freshman Democrat who was defeated when redistricting pushed her into running against a fellow Democrat. So talk more about what she had to say about how that happened. She was very upset. Um, she almost immediately said that she would not be running against Chewy Garcia. And she's a progressive. He's a progressive. She understood that there was um, Hispanic population rise in the in the state and that representation. They deserved more representation. Mm -hmm. So she was supportive of that. And she knew that he should have that district. And so she decided to run against Sean Caston. He is um, not a freshman, just a couple of terms. So she thought maybe she had a chance. And she said that she talked to me and she told me about how she was upset that the process was behind the scenes. She says she says it's purposefully a mystery. Um, that's what she believes that mm. this process is like. So it's kind of scary to hear someone who was actively affected by this saying that um, someone who is who was a Democrat in power and who was actually really celebrated for her win by progressives because she ousted Dan Lipinski, who was one of the only pro-life Democrats in Congress. So mm -hmm. it's like, good job. And then two years later, they didn't help her. And and how much of that decision-making process to, to shift Newman's district is publicly available? It is not public until they release the maps. There is a process in which there are some public hearings, but basically the decisions are already made. There's not going to be like a huge change in the process. And why does the map making happen behind closed doors? Because that's what the Illinois Constitution allowed in 1970. And we're following these really cool old rules. Um, I do detail about how 
uh, prior to 2000, how if the, the Illinois state legislature could not come up with their own maps, there's a complicated process where they create a commission, half Democrats, half Republicans. If those people can't do it, they uh, pull a name from a hat, Lincoln's replica hat mm-hmm. of a Democrat or Republican, and that person is the tiebreaker. And so they learned that's not a good process because it's scary. It's rolling the dice. You get a 50-50 chance that if the Democrats get it, then they're going to have be in control. If the Republicans get that one name, they're going to choose the maps to right. favor them. So it was meant as a way to avoid doing this. It was They're like, come on, people, do this. Do this right so that we don't get to this tie-breaking vote. But it, it has happened before. So I, I tease there, Tina, that you know many, but not all states, they redistrict in this way. Where exactly is it done differently? Um, so we do have 22 Republican states doing their own maps, and you have nine Democratic states. And then we have a couple of independent commissions, um, California, Arizona, and Iowa. And how do they do it? So they have an independent commission that's on, it is not politicians drawing maps. It is people who are independents on a commission drawing the maps, drawing more fair maps. Um, and then there are a couple of other states who have granted, like they're going to be doing this soon. They approved measures to do an independent commission. So it seems to be this is becoming a trend. Mm-hmm. I don't see why Republican-led states and Democrat-led states that benefit from creating their own maps will change. Um, and so basically people are saying maybe we need you know, a Supreme Court decision or a federal law to level the playing field, because why would you give up your political power if if this other state is going to take your power is how they see it. And on that note, I mean, is there any support at all in Illinois for a setup like that, an independent commission? I think it's Democrats, you know, they'll say yes, but why would they do it? They're not going to do it unless everyone else does it. It's just like campaign finance reform. Why would you make the change in your state when everyone else is just going to stomp on you? So it has to be a consensus kind of vote. Mm -hmm. Census figures back in 2020, they showed Illinois' white and African-American populations declined while its Hispanic and Asian populations rose. Now, if the maps were redrawn today, Tina, how is the map likely to shift? Um, well, we we are seeing some population loss. We're seeing um, white and black population declines or moving around to different areas. Overall, we, are, we did see uh, that other states are gaining population. That is the whole thing here. We lost one congressional seat because population is growing in, mm-hmm. in so, a lot of southern states. Um, Colorado saw population increases. So that's that's the problem in Illinois right now is people, the population is increasing in people other are leaving. states. Yeah. People are leaving. Whether or not people move around, it's not going to make a huge effect in our state. But that is the big problem is what's happening in these other states. Because obviously you want to properly represent people in Congress based on the population of the country. And so that is a problem that Illinois is facing right now. Yeah. And then when we zoom in, I mean, how does the redistrict, redistricting process for Chicago's wards compare with what we see at the congressional level? It's pretty similar. It's very secretive. Um, there was there's a reform groups out there that are really trying um, to change the way this works. They kind of did their own public process last time around. They mm-hmm. had a bunch of community hearings and they posted everything online for city council members to see. How'd you that know? go? I mean, who knows if they actually looked at them, but it's a nice process. It's a very transparent process. But we did see weird wards. We did see the pool noodle, the 37th ward. Yeah, let's uh, just, talk about that. We all remember yeah. the the pool noodle. I mean, that was uh, w- that map was released a few years ago. It was spanning seven miles from Grand Damon and Oak Park avenues. I remember community leaders saying at the time that it it disenfranchised Chicagoans. What right. else did you hear? 
Well, yeah, I, I heard that residents that didn't know where to go find their elder person or who to get representation from. It's very, it's confusing when you have one person um, representing several neighborhoods. And you saw that in Inglewood, too, and you saw elder people upset about that as well. They're split into five wards. So if you need to go, you have a complaint or something serious that happens to you, how do you know? I mean, obviously, we know how to find our, our people. We can Google it, whatever. But not everyone, not Everyone knows how to do that or mm -hmm. like just think about an elderly resident that's just kind of unclear of who to go to um, and whether they're being properly represented. And, and this process, I mean, it protects incumbent political leaders. Yes. Yeah. That's the deal. And in both worlds, um, in Congress and the state legislature and in city council, it, we have seen that it has, it has helped protect incumbents. Yeah. What role does technology play? And how the process plays out. Well, you know, technology is awesome right now. And actually, we have really great reporters at WBEZ from the last election that can kind of zero in on where certain votes came from. Mm -hmm. So if you are a behind the scenes person making the maps and you know that you can get a certain population in a certain ward, you're going to try to get that ward. You're mm -hmm. trying to get those voters. So, yes, as we get more technology, this might get worse. The partisan gerrymandering might get worse. So based on your reporting, how likely would you say the way that maps are drawn out uh, will change before the next remap after that 2030 census? I don't believe it will change, but you know what? Why do you say that? Because it didn't really make a difference the last time around. I do think it was a weird one. It was a pandemic one. Um, we were working off of estimates and court challenges. So I think it might be easier, a little bit more clear next time around. Um, but we'll see. We have many, many years for these reform-based groups to try to get their voice out there. Yeah. And people can read your article, as I mentioned, to learn more about why there's a, even a move to change the redistricting process here in our state. But where can you recommend that uh, they go to learn more about this entire process itself? Uh, read the Illinois Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> All of it? <laughs> the whole thing. Go straight there. No, I mean, yeah, it, there, it's guided by the Illinois Constitution and the, the Federal Voting Rights Act and the Illinois Voting Rights Act. That's a good guide to how this works. Yeah. We'll leave it there. Tina Svondelis is the chief political reporter at the Chicago Sun-Times. Thank you so much for that breakdown. Thank you. This episode was produced by Brenda Ruiz, who also mixed the episode, and it was edited by Dan Tucker. If you like this conversation, well, please consider leaving us a rating and review because that helps listeners like you find the show. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again this afternoon.